Welcome to Six Again, your go-to rugby league podcast with hosts Adam Hoy and Jared Mooton. Let's kick off. That was a crazy week of finals football. Loved it. Loved it all. I went 0 for 4 in tips and only fell one point lower on the tipping table. And that's ever happened before. Um, How'd you pick Para? Because they have been the best team against top four sides this year. And they. I mean, you know, top four sides. No, they beat. And they are a top four side. They beat Melbourne twice. They beat Penrith. They beat Sharks. You know, one day you're going to actually listen to me about Paramount one day. No. I don't know when, but if I keep being right, you might listen to me. No, because they've proved you wrong already. When? The fact that they made it this far. I never said they would never make it this far. I said that they'd fail straight away when they did. No, nah, that'll be right. Um, oh, so you also said that Melbourne and Roosters would go a lot further. No, no. That was a stat the first time since 2005 the Melbourne Melbourne All Roosters will not feature in the prelim final. Yeah, it was the first time since 2014 as well that Melbourne hadn't got past the first week in the finals. Oh, it's fucking... It, 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 it's just amazing, like, the dynasty, the dynasty for those two. Like, it's fucking... And it's great that it's... Well, it's not ended, but it, it's great that other teams are coming through, but Jesus Christ, you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't imagine that for so long. Like, you know, as a team, you, you're happy with a four year, maybe three year dominance, but these guys have been doing it for so long. It's just yes. It's fucking ridiculous. And what was the other thing? Another reason why Vossi shouldn't be around league anymore. But um what was that? Well, I was well, good. you're talking about um stats and stuff with finals. I think the last ten matches Andrew Voss has commentated Parramatta they'd won. And so that was a good enough reason for Wally to change his tip from Penrith to Parramatta. And then they lost. I was like, you can't even get keep betting streaks dude, alive anymore. Dude, they, they didn't lose. He got fucked up. The last time they played Penrith, um, so many people tipped Penrith. And I was like, why why aren't more people tipping Parramatta? And Parramatta schooled them. So yeah. that was interesting. And then, and then they played finals. Like, oh, I can't do this. What is this shit? Well, I think the tipping point there was Moses going out of the game, but no, it wasn't. They were getting they were, they were getting dominated before that. Oh, I, I'd say I'm going to say Par- uh, not Paramount, Sharks and Cowboys were a step above everyone, and then we'll we'll dissect the rest from there. But we'll get into it. Uh, we have to give grades for Melbourne and Roosters. Uh, we will go into judiciary and injuries. Uh, we're not going to spend much time on NRLW outside of the results because neither of us watched the games this weekend. So we want to focus on the finals. Uh, we'll cover Q Cup and New South Wales Cup results um, before wrapping it up. But we will start over at footytips.com.au. Um, I don't know. Oh, we should probably introduce a bloody podcast. Eh? You think we should do that from the start? Nah. Now we're in straight to finals. 6am podcast. Adam and Jared. There we go. Uh, Footytips. Tips.com.au. So Stevie Wonder Tips. Um, the only person to break three points. So three out of four. Not one person got a full round considering there were four matches to tip. 
Um, only person in the whole comp, they got three, a bunch of people got two, lots got one, and even more got zero. Zero was the most popular score on the footytips.com website. Um, so take that as you will. So over on the total score with what, three rounds to go, really, you got Rockin' Horse Road and the Irk on 166. And the Irk with two points um, picked up the one on Rockin' Horse Road. Then you've got Reggie Sidestep and myself on 161. And then Spencer Jones and Chocopolips on 160. Um, needing full rounds pretty much from now on in in order to be able to catch up. Over on the street comp, I have a feeling that I'm out. Yes, I'm out. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, God. Uh, went against it a little bit. Yeah, so if you have a look at the street comp, one, two, three, four people all knocked out on the Roosters tip. Um, yeah, Benny Liner, you're the winner. No one can catch you. Well done. Two years in a row. 22 was the longest streak of the season, uh, followed by uh, Ben Hunt for Dallium in R13 with a streak of 15, and then Dish Sharks and myself on 14. Yeah, and no, no one can catch it because there's not enough games left. All right, that's one comp done. Benny Liner, we're going to need your details because I've probably lost them from last year in order to get you your merch pack. All right, I'm just going to take that one down there. So the other thing I want to have a look at, see if any of our grand final bets have been rubbed out. Yep, Kieran's both got rubbed out this week. He, he had a Roosters Storm grand final, and that's done. And I had a Roosters Parramatta grand final. So I'm the only one of the three of us that have half a grand final still left and that's hanging by a thread. So that rubs Jarrah's Luke Keery, Clive Churchill and Dally M. Well, not Dally M. He can still win the Dally M. He can still win Dally Thank you very much. Um, he won't, but he can still. And I had Joseph Marnie for Clive Churchill, so that's gone, as is <laughs> Kieran's JT. Who do you have for Dally M? <coughs> uh, Turbo. Well, that kind of got me stronger. <laughs> yeah, you're cooked. You reckon he's going to double up? Yeah, why not? I don't think any of us will get it. He's got a turbo Cleary and Kiri. So um, let's just wipe our slate with that one, eh? All right. Um, we will start with Q Cup and New South Wales Cup. So actually, let's start with Sunny Coast Comp. So I went to the footy on the weekend to watch our Palmy Devils play in the grand final. Can we not talk Second talk on the ladder. That? Fortunately, I went down 20 to 8. Don't mention the team. Um, to about the other team. team. And um, that was their second grand final appearance in five years. And unfortunately, same result. But it was a really good day out. And congratulations to Maruchador for winning the A grade. Um, I don't know about the other results. Uh, Maruchador won the 18s. Jeez, that um, a good day. Yeah, Maruchador won the 18s. Sorry. And Div 2A. So Palmwood's lost the thing. Div 2A, cool. Cool and won that, and um, in and women's clown. Oh, women's that's right. Okay, and well done to Coolmore having the best jerseys of the day too. So that brought us to Q Cup and New South Wales Cup on the weekend. So Jared went through the encyclopedia that is the New South Wales Cup finals program, and Penrith are already in the grand final. The next, not the week coming, but the week after. Um, and results over the weekend, Penrith 28 defeated the Jets 18. So that put Penrith straight into the grand final. Bulldogs 22 defeated North Sydney Bears 22-10. So that knocked Bears out of the competition. So the week coming up, 
um, on the so Saturday, 7-8th, you'll have Jets, who finished first on the table, taking on Bulldogs, who finished fourth, for a spot in the grand final against Penrith. In the Q Cup, uh, so Epic Games on the weekend, Burley Bears, 32, defeated the Capras, 16. But definitely the Q Cup, New South Wales Cup game of the round. Uh, Sunny Coast Falcons, 26-24 victors over Tweed Seagulls, despite Tweed being up 24-0 after about 25 minutes and still up 24-10 with about six minutes to go. And Falcons coming back and winning that one in Golden Point after two tries in the 72nd and 76th minute. Um, and then Tyson Smoothie kicking a penalty on the 82nd minute to win that one. Yeah, 26-24. So a massive comeback there by the Falcons. So finals week three, so prelim finals, will be North Devils taking on Sunshine Coast Falcons and Redcliffe Dolphins taking on Burley Bears. So top four teams from the season all through to the prelims. And then the Super Bowl comes. Yes. On NRL Grand Final Day, winner of New South Wales Cup versus the winner of Q Cup. We haven't decided if we're going to go down yet, have we? To the NRL Grand Final? Mm. Yeah, I'm not going. All right, then. Jared's not going. People, I need someone to take Jared's spot. Okay. <laughs> Sorry to say. <laughs> Lazy bugger. God. All right. <laughs> Lazy bugger. <laughs> I have one and a half children. So if That's you said I... where we were going, then I'd have an excuse to go. But if you're not going, now I've got to find someone else to give me an excuse to go. Yeah. Oh, wait, you can just tell Maddie I'm going. Yeah, all right, cool, done. Yeah. All right, casualties, injuries from the weekend. So if you didn't see, and I don't think Mitchell Moses saw it either, um, but he got hit around pretty hard. It was, uh, it was bad. Yeah, it was a bad one. Bad concussion on Friday night. Um. Took the knee of Viliami Kikau uh, and did not return after failing his HIA. He it was, was all right in the one. sheds. I don't and... think he was even allowed. No, he was all right in the sheds and remembered everything. Um, that's already a good sign. But obviously, we'll need to go through independent consultations due to being a Category 1 in order to take his spot next week. Uh, against the Raiders, Adam Elliott went off with a hip complaint in his side's win over Melbourne. Now, hip complaints can be... They can be on a very broad range. They can be something minor that's just a cork and you get over it in a couple of days, or it can be something, even the smallest tweak, and you can't walk properly. So Raiders fans may be a little nervous over Adam Elliott considering how well he's been playing this season. Uh, he lasted only half an hour before leaving the game and not coming back. Uh, Penrith winger, who I don't even think should have been there, so I'm not going to name him, uh, limped for the field with a hamstring injury 10 minutes before full-time. Couldn't have happened to a better player. Uh, he'll miss the prelim final regardless after accepting a one-game ban for a high tackle. Um, I wonder if he'll get that postponed to next year. We'll see. But the he was sent for scans on a hamstring injury. Uh, for the Roosters, not a good day all round. Losing Tedesco, losing Crichton, losing Tupo, uh, all throughout the defeat to the Rabbitohs. Um, all three are expected to be available for World Cup selection if required, uh, as well as Joseph Manu, whose calf injury should be healed by then. All right. On a completely random note, do you reckon Tino will get picked in the Australian World Cup side? First from Hawala, yes. Damn it. Okay. It was going to be our guest speaker at our Sport Awards night. Uh, anyway, 
No, I 100% knew he was going to yeah, get picked. Go to England, hang out at Gippy for a night. Go to yeah, England, hang out at Gippy for one night. Hey, it's the same yeah, place. Fucking same uh, place. Mm. All right. Um, now, judiciary. This will be fun to read through. If you hadn't noticed, or if you haven't heard, the Roosters Rabbitohs game went for about six hours on the weekend uh, due to all the stoppages and simbins and bunker chats and all that sort of stuff. So let's have a look at the charges from that. Tom Burgess faces two games on the sidelines after a grade two careless high tackle on James Tedesco. Uh, it was also charged with a grade one offence for a tackle on Matt Lodge. Um, fine $1,800. Jared Warrior Hargraves faces a three to four match ban. Oh, they finally got him on one. There we go. Uh, grade two dangerous contact charge on Burgess. Um, so Warrior Hargraves, because the Roosters are eliminated, will either require to serve his suspension next season or as part of New Zealand's World Cup campaign should he be selected by the Kiwis. Interesting. Joseph Sawali was cited for a dangerous contact offence, but will not face any games. Due to $1,800 fine, Tane Milne was simbin twice, I believe, faces $1,800 fine with an early guilty plea on Suwali. Uh, let's have a look. What else? Spencer Lenu was charged with a high tackle, $750. Dale Finucane taken the early guilty plea and the fine $3,000. I thought it was, that was a bit... I think it was a bit hard done by on that one, to be honest. And Fleece Kafusi accepted an $1,800 fine with an early guilty plea for dangerous contact. Yeah, so a fair bit done. Um, yeah, so Fanukin got taken straight up to a grade three as he'd already served a two-game ban for a grade two um, earlier in the season. Okay. Anything to touch on those ones, Jared, before we do a quick wrap of NRLW results and then spend the chunk of the show on the NRL finals. Nah, I'm right. good. Cool. So NRLW, uh, usually we are quite keen watchers of the NRLW. We absolutely love it. But this week, I said with finals on, uh, we focused on that. Titans picked up their first win of the season, an 18-16 victory over Parramatta, uh, who remained winless. Broncos 18 uh, were pipped by the Dragons by a point, so 19-18. Um, so that puts Dragons into the finals. And what looked like the game of the round, I did get to see the first half of this one. Roosters 18 defeated the Knights 16. And that was after the Roosters were up 12-0, I believe, at half time, And we're really dominating the game. And it sounds like Knights turned the tables on them in the second half um, before Isabel Kelly scored a try in the 65th minute. So Knights actually got in front at one point before the Roosters came back to hit their undefeated record uh, alive, uh, already knowing that they are into the finals. So after four rounds, uh, just bring up the ladder here for NRLW. Uh, so four games, four wins for the Roosters. Uh, so eight points, Knights on six, Dragons on six, Broncos and Titans both on two, with the Eels on nil uh, going into the last round. So the interesting thing here is Broncos versus the Eels. So if Eels win, um, they'll jump to two points as well. And the Broncos for and against is negative 21. Roosters, uh, sorry, Eels are minus 32. So they only have to win by 12. Um, and they will jump in a fourth position there. Titans have the Roosters. So there's actually almost a better shot for the Eels to get in than the Titans. Um, but from what we saw in the NRL finals on the weekend, anything can happen. 
But yeah, Dragons, Nuts, Roosters already in the finals, and we've got three teams all with a chance of. I haven't heard fourth position. Newcastle in ages. What Dragons? <laughs> Sorry, well. Uh, all right. We're going to have a quick break there and we're going to come back and have a look in depth at all four of the finals games, um, as well as saying goodbye to the Roosters and Storm for 2022. All right. So finals kicked off with the defending premiers, Penrith, taking on um, the serial top of the table killers from the regular season uh, in the Eels. However... Penrith clicked into gear with Nathan Cleary having his first game back from his suspension. Didn't miss a beat. Uh, it was pretty good the whole night. Um, it was it was a game where Penrith looked in control and that control turned into points later in the game. But it had the feeling as though Paramo were going to have to play a pretty perfect game in order to get the victory here, regardless of what happened within it. That's pretty much my whole... It was like, Paramount, Penrith scored in the 15th minute, Parramatta scored in the 28th, despite Penrith being the more dominant side, but it wasn't until the 50th minute that their scoring kind of opened up and points started coming freely. So it was a 7-6 halftime lead to Penrith. Yeah, look, I predicted it. <laughs> there you go, Jerry um, got one for the season. There you go, yeah. I've been saying that for the last three years. It's a three-year rolling review. Um, Parramatta, since Brad Arthur took over, is two from ten in finals games. As Adam said, they're fucking... They are world beaters during the season. And to be honest, like, this weekend, they're playing Canberra on Friday night. With the way they're going, I'm not even sure about this because... As I said, two from ten, but when they get belted, you never like playing them the next weekend because they come out and absolutely flog you. So it's a weird, it's a weird little comparison in my head because I'm leaning towards them actually winning, but in saying that too, you never discount Canberra in these kinds of games. And maybe it's a Parramatta um, plan. They'll get belted next <laughs> week in order to be able to win the prelim. The, the reality of it is I don't see them being able to win three games in a row in a final no. series. I just don't see it. I, I, I'll be proven wrong. Proven wrong in the moments that we'll get to. I'll cop that. Sorry but I about that audio there. Sorry, three, three games in a row. Um, This game, like, yeah, Mitchell Moses was playing really well in the, the first part of it. Regal Campbell Gillard was taking it to the forwards. Yeah, he, he had a really um, solid... Yeah, he, he was in. doing really well. Um, to be honest, I didn't really notice anyone else on the field. Like, it wasn't really anyone else for the Parramatta team. He was really overly dominating. Um, yeah, I just like Dylan Brown. Like, in, in my head, when Dylan when that, when Mitchell Moses got that really unfortunate, it was it, it actually. I felt really bad for him. It was, it was just a he just put his head in the wrong position and his head was like horizontal facing oh, in the Moses wrong direction. When, yeah. Yeah, when he got hit in the head. And I, ugh, I I don't even like thinking about it. But in my head, like the two the next Dylan Brown and Clint Gufferson should have done more 
got the ball, yeah. and their hand on the ball at least three times a set. Each, well, not each, but you know what I mean. Like they should have been doing more. Gufferson should have been taking that unofficial. Um, but he should have played in halves. He should he, he should have just jumped himself and taken the ball off Arthur. Like Arthur's yes, he's a six and he's been training there, but Gufferson should have been that leadership role, and Dylan Brown should have been the Mitch Moses and touch that ball as many times and try to create as much as he could, but they didn't. And you can say that Pembroke dominated. Yes, they did. But the times where Parramatta did have the ball in their hands, after Moses went off, they just their attack was just horrible. They just passed yeah, the ball around. And for me, I'm disappointed in Brown and Guffo just because that was their job. Um like if, for example, back in the day in a Melbourne team, if Cooper Cronk got injured, Slater would have done more. Yeah. The backup sniff. Um, every every solid team, if something like that does happen, someone comes on to fill the void, or someone already on the field in another position fills the void. And Parramatta just didn't. Like you can say all you want, oh Parramatta's dropped off. Mitchell Moses went off the field. Shit happens in finals, guys. You you kind of have to win no matter what. And using an inch, using a cat one knock a concussion as an excuse doesn't fly in a in a in a finals game at all. It's just not okay. And um, the players should have stepped up. Oh, I'm thinking over the last like there's there's been two games only in the last few weeks that have shown to me that Mitch Moses is the most important player in the entire of Panamata's team. And that was when he came back after that finger injury, um, after they'd been, like, he missed the week. I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm just scrolling back through Parramatta's, um, the rear half of Parramatta's. Yeah, okay, so they got belted by the Ratherows 26-0. I'm thinking that's the week that he was rested and then came back the week after. Was it that late in the season? Yeah, around 23. And they um, smacked the Bulldogs 42-6. And then 53-6 against Broncos and then 22-14 against Storm. Um, the week that he was out, they were clueless in attack. And yeah. the week that he came back, everything revolves around him. He, he's so instinctive for that team. And he was, with him and Campbell Gillard, he was as much a leader on the field as Gillard was taking the, the hit-ups and the meters. And they just didn't come out with that same precision. Yeah, precision. And then obviously, like they hadn't scored up till the 60th minute anyway, bar that penalty goal. Um, so it's not like he was laying tries on for fun anyway. But but he, he, he his kicking game was so important. for the first well, for the first 25 minutes of this game was actually better than Cleary's. Like he he forced Except if you're kicking it to Wanga Blake, but shit, anyone can have a good kicking game kicking a Wanga Blake. Well, yeah, but he he was like, I I don't know why people, to be honest, doubted him. Like Cooper Cronk was sitting there at the start of the game, just going, "Oh fuck, Cleary's just going to kill somebody, just like yeah. just absolutely destroy this game and mm. stuff like that." I was doubting him. No, Cronk wasn't. Cronk never did. No. Okay. Oh, sorry. Who who was doubting him? Yeah, a lot of people. Corey oh. Parker came out and said he, he he's going to struggle. Um. Or everyone bar on the Fox Sports thing before the game was down him. And Cooper Cronk's is like, you guys are idiots. Let me tell you. <laughs> and he just came in and just like, 
he was practicing those balls and it was a targeted attack against Longer Blake, which is you know, smart good. play. Yeah, it was. And That's coaching, kick to Blake. <laughs> but like there, there was a yeah, I just I'm just really disappointed. Like I, I was I would have been and it's gonna sound horrible, but I would have been quite happy to be proven wrong in this game with Parra. I would have liked to see them do better than they did because they they do have the team and when you actually watch Parramatta when they're playing well, they're a fucking good team good to watch. Like, I, yeah, I think Parramatta, not because of doubting Cleary, but Parramatta, like, to me, Parramatta have been playing better as a team over the last few weeks. I know Penrith's been winning, but so is Parra, and I, I believe that how they've been winning um, was is, was going to be harder to stop. And then watching the kind of arm wrestles the game started, and then how Brian Tuo scored the first try, which is like from broken play and a ball being knocked back and it bouncing around and then tapped down and then him getting it on the outside and going through, I went, oh, shit, okay, if they're scoring tries like that, this is just one of those nights where, you know, you can feel early on where if a team scores a try where there's three or four bounces that have to go their way, it taps back perfectly. Um, obviously, there's skill involved and all that, but you're watching it going, yeah, the first time that happens for the other team, they're going to knock on on the first touch in that same sort of style. And I went, oh, Penrith are too good a side in scoring tries where they set everything up and control it, that if they're getting tries like that as well, it's going to be even harder. Um, and it proved to be. And one thing I did want to say on this was, fuck you to all of the media people going out and saying that these games need to be moved to the big stadiums so we can get more people Ooh, in. Mate. Um, mate. I, get, I get that side. I get the money side and all that sort of shit. The NRL is not short on coin. Um, a $43 million profit last year showed that. There is not one sport in the world that would move a home game somewhere else just to appease the freaking board and shit to get more money. The masses. Did yeah. you see that, Henry saying it was rocking. And if yeah. I'm an away team, hell yes, I want the home team taking it to a big right. stadium for more money yeah. because it's not going to be, gonna, it's not going to be intimidating. The perfect example was intimidating. One, the perfect example for this one was the Cronulla Cowboys game. Like that, oh, yeah. They played at Shark Park, man. And it, you, 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 when they walked out, you're like, oh, it's, you know, it's full, but it's a tiny stadium. Dude, that game went for 93 minutes. The crowd did not stop. would have been more tired, oh, not more tired, but you know, pretty fucking tired compared to the players because they were going off the entire game. It was epic. It was epic. And, it, I would have loved to be in that stadium. It would have been absolutely amazing. Like, sit, imagine standing on the grass in that game. And, like, you look at it compared to the, obviously, the Roosters and had a bit of malice. This had no malice in the game. It was just mm. who was going to just do that brilliant play at the end. And then, Did and you just jump into the next point. game randomly? No, 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 it's not the next game. Well, my point is what you're saying okay, is yeah. that, these stadiums need to stay around. They need to fund these stadiums. They need to keep building. They need to do. They need to do all this because I don't like. I've been to grand finals where there's eighty thousand at whatever Allianz. Mm. I've been to Suncorp at, Sun, at Origin games with fifty thousand. I've been to Newcastle when there's like sixteen thousand. And while it's you know not as intense at the Newcastle, but it's so much more fun just having the hill. The, that kind of stuff. Otherwise, as opposed to sitting in your seat 
40, 50, 60 metres up in the air at Allianz trying to guess. Like, the only reason we could tell the players was we know who should be standing where. Yeah. Like, it, it's just... That guy's like, you want to move to the big stadiums. He's obviously hasn't sat in that stadium at ANZ <laughs> for a long time. It's easy to watch it from the press box, mate. You get pretty good seats. Hmm. Well, Jared's 100% right. We were at the Broncos Cowboys Grand Final and we were like third row from the top. And you're literally buying tickets to be there as part of the atmosphere. Because you can't see, it. there's no intricacy of the game that you can see from up there. It's literally, you only know who's got the ball based on your knowledge of who stands where on the field at what time. And they're kind of, and, and just by their build as well. Yeah. Kind of, because you can't see the numbers. You're not part of the game. You're not, you're not invested in the actual contest. You can't hear the hits or anything like that. Yeah. It's, if they, if they want yeah. to do that, it'd be way better putting the $20 million into each of those stadiums right, right. and adding another 15,000, 20,000 seats. I think I've said this before. Even our level, like we've, I've played at the stadium at Central Coast. I've played at Redcliffe and stuff like that. But if anyone ever gets a chance, and I doubt they will, but Pomona Rugby League, their, their field is, you got the field, but mm. in the right, back corner you've got this three-story fucking clubhouse and you you play you if you're, no sorry. Pomona Pomona, Pomona. Yes, you, you play there and you're standing there ready for a kickoff as a half or front row or you're ready to kick the ball out, like for a conversion or you know you're defending your line it literally feels like there's like there's at least a hundred people up there every game and the amount of abuse and fun and oh, it's so enjoyment you it's so much fun. You you look up, you're like, oh shit, you cop it, and then they all shake your hands at the end of the game. But the beauty of it, it's got both sides. It's got the state the on that side of the field, because that's one side in the back corner, you they've got the um the um bench, both benches. Oh. On the other side, because there's nothing cars. to do in Pomona, all the locals <laughs> pull their utes up. And they've got the eskies, and they just sit on their utes about two meters away from the field with a fence in between you. And usually, when there's a Pomona game, when we used to play, it was the fucking rodeo that earlier today or the thing. So these guys are, are fully cut by the time they get there. Man, it is so much fun. Like that, those, that's football. That's where football yeah. was made. And you know, like uh, Shark Park, um, all these stadiums need to be preserved. Belmore, I fucking love Belmore to Just, get like, like said, instead of putting the fucking massive development into the big stadium, add an extra 15 20,000 seats on at each of the small ones. Oh, yeah. Belmore would be amazing. I'd love for Belmore to get redone because I'd want to go there with my dad one day. Uh, and um, easily the upset of the weekend and the worst game of the weekend, too. Yeah, we had Raiders 28 beating the Storm 20 in Melbourne. Um, after taking a 16-8 halftime lead, uh, five tries to four, with Coates getting a treble hat-trick for the Storm, um, and Jordan Rappiner getting across for what pretty much wrapped the game up for the Raiders uh, in the 73rd minute. Jamal Fogarty kicking four out of five, Munster uh, two out of four. There were definite moments towards the end of the storm season where a Pappenhausen would have made a difference, not just with his influence, but also the goal kicking. I think they, I don't know, it's like a security blanket. Nick Meany wasn't kicking him real well last week. And I think he had a slight injury anyway and wasn't able to kick. 
Um, but I think this is the result that not many people saw coming, despite how well Raiders finished the season. It's another thing to fight your way into the finals than it is to keep that momentum going, take it to Melbourne and beat the best team of the last decade, uh, or best club of the last decade, I should say. Fucking credit to him, man. I Yeah, I, I, I didn't tip this. Um, I, I, was, I was pumping up Melbourne to cause a few headaches in this final. I, I highly doubt they're going to get knocked out in the last in the first round. First one since 2014. There's literally rugby league fans that have never seen the Storm kicked out this early. Yeah, so, you know, there's... Albeit they're eight years old, but anyway. Ra- Raiders... They went to Melbourne. They've always been a bit of a bogey type, bogey team for Melbourne. I'll give you that. But as I was saying earlier, Melbourne were in a losing, losing squad. Those Melbourne boys, the big, the big players, they fucking done everything they could to win this. Yeah. Like they scrapped and fought, and ultimately Canberra were the better team. Like Jared Tarpany, I care what anyone says. He is the premier pop prop based off form in the competition right now. Can you remember he's, a Ford who's... I love his build. Well, he's been like... When he came onto the scene, I, I remember at so many... Newcastle. The impact that um, fantasy football's had on players that I remember now. Um, you didn't let me finish my sentence, but yeah. When he came onto the scene in Canberra, because he did start at Newcastle, and he had a, a season where you're like, man, this guy has something that some of the other young Fords don't have. And then he kind of like just disappeared. And you were waiting. I was going, where's it? Where, what happened to this guy? He was killing it for a youngster. And they talk Seven about sometimes the props. No, no, because he started in Newcastle, didn't he? No, no. I mean, like when the, the year you come up, you get a bit cocky and a, a few niggles come your way. And then the next year you struggle a bit. No, I'm talking about after he went from Newcastle to Canberra. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, so his first year in Canberra, he was, to me, like, from what my memory of it was, was incredible for, for a player of his age in that position. And then you saw, and, like, we always hear that props um, mature as they get into the ages 26, 27, 28. Um, and he had, he had a couple of barren years, and he had injuries and stuff last year, and then just, boom, full year of consistency – a couple of weeks uh well he had that rib injury leading into the finals uh missed a game here or there but has there been a, a, a player in recent memory that you can think of that's done this sort of jump and kept it consistent for this for this period of no, time no. especially at prop um you know he's just he's not even just doing his job he's doing everyone's job <laughs> Yeah. I, I just he's going above and beyond like every week. Like my favorite thing about him is just his build. Like he's got that I don't know, that sunny Bill Williams kind of build where it's just tall and just thick, but it's mo- like agile as well. There's no disproportionate part of him, which he just like, yeah, cool man. Like he he's he's a new age where he he's got the big shoulders, he's got the strength, and he can do the hard yards, but he can flip the ball around, he can you know, outrun a centre when he needs to. Like, he's just... I could outrun Brett Parker. <laughs> like, he, the things he was doing in this game, like, it's really, really cool because the last month or so, Nelson Asafa Solomona, big, big example where he just ripped apart Viliami kick out. 
Um, but in this game, Tarpany, like, at the start of the game, Nelson, I saw for some way to start on the edge, but they actually brought him in the middle to try and mitigate Tarpany. And Tarpany was just like, yeah, you're a big dude, but you can't move like I can. <laughs> like, sucker. Hey, I'm already... I'm already looking forward to next week. We're going to have Tarpany, Papali, Campbell, Gillard, Paolo. Yeah, um, it's just it's everything just, on the line. And, and um, like this year, New Zealand man, they're going to have a good team for the World Cup, and he's going to be leading it. I don't, I don't think many people are going to be ready for this quality of front row coming to England. Like he is, he's world class, and he's going to be very, very hard to beat all the entire year. He's He's scary, man. All right, let's focus on Melbourne for a second. We talked right at the start of the year. I think when the first signings were starting to walk out the door uh, towards the Dolphins, like, how are Melbourne going to cope with this? And we pointed to the fact they've still got Papanaus and they've still got months, well, they got months of form all season. They've still got Grant. Um, despite all that, they got knocked out in the first week of the finals. Yeah, Papanaus was injured, but they still had Kafusi, the Bromwich brothers, they're not going to be there next year. Kofusi's not going to be there next year. And even with them, the player they were missing was Papenhausen. They got knocked out first week. And unless they do buy, they will be starting next year with a weaker team. Um, most likely a younger team. They got Treek Sims coming in, I guess, but that's been the only... Katoa. 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 Oh, Lisa Katoa. Katoa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, coming in. They've got... So next year, and they've got Welch to come back. Yeah. So their front, front row rotation will be Welch, Asafa Solomona, and then they'll have Tui Kamakamika coming off the bench with Josh King at lock. And then they'll have he, Harry he Green. really petered out the second half of the season, though, you got to be honest. Tarek Sims, Alisi mm. Katoa, Trent Liera. I reckon they're, they're still good for another maybe two or three signings. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, they, they, they do. They need that, eh? Oh, need I, I, yeah, but it's Melbourne, like... Yeah, and when when you see their recruitment is just like they picked up the Katoa, you're like, how good is that bloke going to be here? Like, like, but you say it, it's Melbourne, but we also say in the same sense it's Melbourne doesn't also align with four senior players leaving in the same off season. Like, I don't like, yeah, Ryan Hoffman here, Atoyo Harris there, you can deal with. This is a hell of a lot of structure experience. Um, leadership all in one hit to be replaced by, let's say, at best, inconsistent but talented forwards coming in. It's going to be a, I think it's going to be the most interesting storm off season we've seen. Um, but the Cooper Cronk saga, I'd say, um, even more so than Cam Smith, because that was like one player, is he or isn't he? This is, they're going to have money to spend, which isn't always something you've been able to say for Melbourne. Um, I think I think something's big coming. Mm, and, yeah, so do I. Got that feeling. Who's it going to be? Well, oh, I wouldn't be surprised. Players, who's it going to be? I wouldn't be surprised because there's two players. One uh, one was asked for a release but got denied, but that's going to get re-talked about soon. And one player who hasn't been re-signed before that nearly got signed by Craig Bellamy earlier in the year. Mm. That's Matt Lodge oh, and God. Payne Haas. See Payne Haas, I see. Oh, I, I don't know. And look, also, Jordan McLean has been re-signed by Cowboys, ex-Melbourne player. Um, there's, there's always players like that that just, just somehow appear in Melbourne just fucking, oh, yeah, I'll have that bloke. 
It's like so like the Josh King sign last year. Like he was just walking along supposedly and Craig Bellamy called him into a room and go, mate, I wouldn't mind you having to come down to Melbourne next year. And then the Melbourne contract people got in contact with Josh King's contract people and a week later it was done. And there's no yeah. fanfare about it. They just pick yeah. up these dudes and you're just like, shit. Yeah, but like, I, I, well, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Killer, he, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Payne Haas, honestly, there's already been chats at Craig Bellamy. I would not be surprised. They've got the money there to sign him. He would probably sign unders to go to Melbourne over Broncos. And yeah, I wouldn't be Imagine Payne Haas under Craig Bellamy. Yeah, I, I could imagine that. But I also can't yeah. imagine a player like Payne Haas being the hey walk in. I'd like to see you come down to Melbourne a week later. It's signed. I don't think that. No, 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 no. That he's not that player. player. On that too, on that too, I'm actually more worried about their backline. To be yeah. fair, because they're still they're still shorter quality winger because Nofaluma is playing for him now. Like Xavier Coates, um, it didn't light up the world this year. They don't have a star centre. Like, they've been swapping around with Murray and Seve and a few others throughout the entire year. Like, you, you focus on losing that many people in the back. It'll be interesting what they can get they, out of young Tonema Pierre after a full off season. I want to see what he comes well, back like. They still haven't signed a, you know, they they, they don't have a, a, they've got Justin Ollum, but they don't have that centre. It's like, fuck. Like, the Melbourne kind of player, like, the Will Chambers is a consistent guy who's just going to, they, that, to me, that would be it. the Justin Ollum. To me, they're missing more of the English flower, that sort of player that they used yeah, to pick up. Yeah, but that was supposed to be Xavier Coates, and he just hasn't lived up to that. Right. Yeah, he's uh, had, um, let's say, a disrupted season. But once he's been yeah, on the field, but, he's been... Oh, uh, yeah. But I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm not concerned too much with their forward pack because I think they're going to... The form, forwards, they make quite well. Um, in Melbourne, like there's, you know, Trent Lorero is a pretty, has done a pretty hand, handy mm. job for him. Chris Lewis has been playing 50,000 positions for him. They, they seem to just pick up these pretty half decent forwards, but this back line I'm more worried about. Right. Because that, where does Craig Bellamy, minus injury, not know who's going to, is his top player? Marion Sevy is not his best centre. Well, that's more of a concern, to be honest. Also, all right, so Storm being knocked out first round uh, of the finals because the first time since 2014. Um, I don't know how much what Amy Park's uh, capacity is. Was only 20,000 people there last night, albeit AFL finals season as well. I don't know if there was a game on that night. Doesn't matter. Uh, what's your grade for the Storm for 2022? Because they've been quite inconsistent. Uh, nobody. I'd say about a B, B plus. Wow, you're generous. Holy Jesus. <laughs> so I was, uh, I, yeah, okay. Cool. You'd be a good, te- you'd be a nice teacher. I'm the, I'm the We're going to be an asshole teacher next year. Last okay. time, last time. Last time, that's true. I gave him a C. Um, yeah, right. Fucking him. Just because... Their expectations are so much higher than the first week of finals. My expectations for them was higher than the first week of finals. I get that they've had the injury bug and all that sort of stuff. Roosters had that last year and from my memory made it further than this. Um, and, and still with the talent that they had with Grant, with Hughes, with Munster, um, Olam, the 
previous mentioned forwards, that's enough to get him past a Raiders side who have been a really good team, but don't have like the closest thing they have to a superstar. And I hate that word as it is that I think there's only like three or four in the whole comp, but would be okay. I'm not, let's not say superstar, most established player would be what Papali or Jack Whiten. Um, Storm should be beating this team. And the fact that they lost the elimination, they lost that crucial game against Parramatta um, dropped them into this position, elimination, and then were knocked out the week after. To me, that's barely even a pass. So I'm going to give them a C, and that, to me, feels generous. Um, only, and that, that, that speaks to the success of the Storm, the fact that you make it to the finals and lose by only eight points and you still get a C. Sorry, you only get a C is based on what they should be getting. If this was freaking, say this was the Titans, you get into the first of your finals, getting bounced by only eight points. Yeah, I'd probably have a B, B plus, something like that. All right. Um, we are just going to do Nick's picks real quick here um, before we go to the last two games. So even though we didn't have a preview show, we didn't even mention that. Sorry about that. It just didn't come together. Um the bloody little ginger ninja of sports betting had 20 bucks <laughs> on Alex Johnson to score a double because he saw he was at $4.20. And of course he scored a double. So he had $20 at $4.20, which gives him $84 for the weekend, puts him up to a grand total of $867. Little mother fudger. And I only did a sneaky little one. I had five bucks and I didn't get either of this. Um, five bucks for Parramatta to win into sorry i got half with hudson young to score a try i got the hudson young part um lost the Parramatta part that was paying eight dollars 12 only had a fiver on that so that drops me down to 204 dollars and jared did you have any on this weekend you're still sitting pretty on your 60 i'm still i'm still confident i'm gonna win this i just gonna put a mega bet on and just destroy you all all right well we've got we've got eight minutes um Till the time runs out. So let's wrap into the best game of the weekend. Uh, Cowboys 32 over the Sharks 30. If there was ever going to be a game to sell rugby league to the rest of the world, this was it. The the quality of points scored in the first half was right. Some of the tries the, the were just world-class. And from individual efforts like to- Toby Rudolph's just pure power <laughs> and strength just determination carrying like four cowboys um from when where do you the, get that the ball out? Nico Hines putting um Talakai away yeah that, that was just oh. people don't if you're a casual rugby league fan you you may not understand what Nico Hines did uh in order for Talakai to have that much space you're probably looking at how's Talakai have that much space he didn't it was a sleight of hand from Nico Hines who got the ball and in the same motion as getting the ball, moved to his outside, which shifted the defense, and then he pumped the ball. Um, so he, like, he threw a dummy. And even though his body had moved outside, that pump of the ball froze the defender, and then he gave the ball, which literally allowed Talakai to run into a, what was it, three-meter hole, four-meter hole. Um, you got to watch that try from front on to see it. It was... It was just pure think, ball playing. I think I think any any of you would make any like a hardcore rugby league mess their pants up watching that. It was, and then you had freaking Tom Dearden playing with a cup 
after his ruptured testicle, um, picking the ball up from dummy half, scooting, mm. breaking through the first line defense, and then running around the fullback. Like, you know what? And then I, Will, uh, oh, it was champagne uh, footy. I, I love watching Will Kennedy because he get every time he touches that ball off a set play, he gets it at pace, which I think a lot of you fullbacks in the NRL needs to fucking learn because he he's just he weighs probably the least amount of all the fullbacks, but he, he's the hardest attack. And he doesn't have the, um, the fastest top end speed, so he relies on yeah. getting it close to it. Whereas someone like um, Scotty Drinkwater can just go from zero to freaking whatever in two seconds. Um, Kendi's more of a get it at pace, and he's already close to his top speed, which yeah, uh, like I said, it's a rarity. And then Peter Hicko, yeah. man, the no, dangles that he had on that try was. Do you know who I love? What so could run this? Who I could watch run all day, Val Holmes. Oh yeah, the way he just oh, moves. He's so it's good. It's just it, yeah, but like he doesn't move so cleanly, and you he still want like Jack. James Tedesco when he when he runs, his feet are kind of going everywhere. His body's tucking. It looks exactly really messy, and like yes. it looks like he's he's doing a lot of work to make himself run that fast. But Val Holmes is just like cruising along, and he's and he's fucking quick. But when he steps and changes direction, it looks so clean and mm. beautiful. It's just ah, oh. it brought so much back from his NFL stint. Even though it was so much more short lived, a lot of that lateral agility while keeping your head and body up uh, is a really hard skill to do. Most people have to drop their body out in like, order to get your like center of gravity down good. to be able to do it, and he can do it like upright. And you saw yeah, Jared Hayne just- bring that. Well, he had that before he left, actually, Jared Hayes. He's just, he, and it, 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 it looks like he's just floating when he runs because his and hips stay completely still as well. Yes. And, and stay direct. Which, isn't, which actually isn't something you're taught. You're supposed to move your hips because people target your hips. But because he's so quick and sleight of hand, he's so agile, he can do that. And he's not losing any, space, any pace when he changes direction. Yeah. But, it, uh, I don't know. Go as Adam the, said. Sorry, you go. This game, if you want to teach someone rugby league and the beauty of it, watch this game. Yeah, I had, I was not surprised at all. Cowboys won this game. I tipped the Sharks based solely on the fact that they were in Sydney. If it was a Cowboys, I would have tipped Cowboys. That's how even these two teams are. And while I believe both of these teams, if they played like this in this game against anyone else this week, they would have beaten everyone. These are the two best teams playing the two playing the best game and these are the teams second and third in the comp at defensive efficiency behind Penrith and they put five tries on each other and if you looked and actually watched the the tries the only one with really poor defense was probably the Toby Rudolph one because he literally went through that many and um you'd say the Tom Dearden one in and around the rough the rest the defense was pretty good um, it was literally stripped. It, it it was stripped because of the offense being that good, um, not because of the defense being poor, if that uh, makes any sense. Now, going into halftime 18 all, um, they came out in the second half and it was kind of a bit of two for but Cowboys were gaining the ascendancy and they got across in the 52nd minute and were like, oh, hello, Cowboys are starting to get on a roll here. And then, boom, Cam McKinnis scored. Four minutes later, in literally a crash ball, a crash run, where he just literally got the ball and had no no eyes for anything but the try line, got smacked from two different sides at once. And um, 
Then the Sharks are on the roll. Scored again through Will Kennedy, and you're looking at it from a Cowboy supporter going, we need to kick back into gear here. And then Connor Tracy sin bin in the 72nd minute. How did you see that one? Legit. He had yeah. his arm around him. Yeah. It was fine. It was the right call. It's definitely, I saw a couple of people on going, penalty try. It can't be a penalty try when the defender's that in that much uh, vicinity. Because even if Valentine Holmes caught the ball, um, Connor Tracy could have punched it out of his hand anyway. So you can't call a penalty try on that one. Simbin was the right call. Um, Holmes missed a conversion through the game, um, but kicked a penalty goal in the 72nd minute based off that uh, Simbin, and it proved crucial because when they scored try, that tied it up at... Sorry, that put them within six points, and then to me, the man of the match scored the try in the 79th minute uh, with Jason Tamalolo. Absolutely epic. Epic performance by the big fella. Now, you can have your Josh Kings, your Trebojeviches, your Cam Murrays, your Isaiahs. I'm taking Tom Lolo hands down any day of the week because <laughs> he does stuff that not one other forward in the comp can do at the level, at the consistency for this long. And it's been a fair far cry since we, I think the last time we talked about Peyton managing his minutes, um, I still think he should have been playing more minutes through the season anyway, but he played the full 82 minutes in this game at lock for a dude of his size, not only scores the try in the 79th minute uh, to allow his uh, mate Holmes to tie the score to send it to golden point. Um, he had 24 hit-ups, 270 meters uh, 104 post contact meters that's the same amount of meters altogether that tom gilbert ran for who had a pretty decent game um what else are we going to have here i've got them all lined up eight tackle breaks as well to go along with obviously his try that i'd already mentioned a dummy half run which was hilarious he picked it up and ran at 14 meters because they just weren't expecting it 42 tackles to go with four missed um as well as four passes. And if you didn't notice, his cutout ball was the one that set Peter Hiku off on in the space oh, in the scoring try. Like this guy is freaking massive. And that cutout ball that he threw was left to right, most people's weak side. What was that a 15 meter ball? Um, while he'd taken it into the line, he was, he's just incredible to watch. It, the intensity he was running at in the 80th minute was the same as the first. And that's the Tumlo expect 270 meters as a forward. And the next, the only person in the entire team that beat that was Peter Hicko at 314, who had obviously a monster game. Uh, he was incredible. Um, it's the reason why he's my favorite player in the comp, and he's not even in my team. But Valentine Holmes is my close second. They're just my two favorites to watch, and for the reasons we've already described. Yeah, well, it's a good representative yeah. of the game, too. They are. They're just... Now, for the Sharks, Nico Hines, again, he's so good. Like, <laughs> I, I, I was worried when they signed him to go to halfback. I was like, yeah, 5'8", I can see fullback and see halfback. He's going to have to do something that I haven't seen him do consistently. We've seen flashes of it. Um, you look at this stat line, three try assists, four line break assists, he only ran it for 63 metres. And when you think of his performances for Melbourne, he was a running 
player and he did his he did all of his damage because he's a big body who could move five from five conversions um so 100 completion rate obviously uh what else to go along with 28 tackles um six tackle breaks like sorry one tackle break i mixed up him with toby rudolph just then for a second he was and 751 kicking meters like holy fuck shit 24 kicks the next highest on the team was one like if that's not a workload of a halfback i don't know what is he was brilliant will kennedy had an absolute blinder again toby rudolph in the middle um Man, his performance, if that doesn't get you out of your seat as a um, as a Shark supporter, I don't know what will. Um, who else had a really, really solid performance? Um, Talakai, 237 metres off 21 hit-ups to go with a line break and a try. He was brilliant. It was just such a good game to watch. It was pretty hard to find a poor performance from any team um, within the game. Oh, <laughs> I'd be happy with that as a grand final. It was so good. <laughs> um, okay, next game. Uh, oh, yeah, there you go. 82 and 80% com- um, completion rates. I knew it would be pretty good. Sorry. Yeah, look, next game, probably not the best representation of World Rugby. <laughs> it would have been a, it, it probably would have been a fucking fantastic game in the 80s. I loved it. I had fun. I had fun watching it. I, yeah, I had that. I've had that still in me of stupidity um, in it. But yeah, South ended up winning. There's some. Uh, this is a really good representation of if you win, you get the headlines going for you. If you lose, you get a, the media coming after you. <laughs> this is a really good example of that. <laughs> because it's just um, there's things that happen in this game for both teams that yeah you wouldn't advertise too much <laughs> at all yeah I think Jared and I have quite differing opinions of this game um, for all oh, those so- for all those locks that I mentioned before I'd take them all above Victor Radley just throwing it out there <laughs> so um, is it interesting because I watched the game and you know Adam runs the podcast. I assumed he was watching the game, but whatever. We I had my son's to... birthday party. Uh, t- turns out he wanted to spend time with his son for his birthday party. I, I don't know why. Um, can't tell you. Um, I didn't know then... anything about the game. Yeah, but I, I, I watched the replay. I, I messaged him. I'm like, man, you have to watch this. And he, I'm pretty sure he was probably just intending to watch the KO mini at one point. <laughs> and I was just like, dude, not no. in finals. No, you, you, you need to watch this full game. And then it was really funny because at one point he's like, Tane Mill shouldn't have been set Simbin. I'm like, uh, which time? No, I said Victor Radley. <laughs> yeah, Victor, which time? And I was like, huh? Like Simbin twice. Oh my God, two Simbins. No, he didn't say that, but that, that's what I was kind of leaning towards because there's this Simbins galore in this game. It was amazing. Oh, I. <sighs> All right. In reflection. Oh, yeah. This the okay. intensity of this game is how the intensity of this game should have been. You've got the two oldest rivals in the comp um, at a brand new stadium. The home stadium of the Roosters, which is the only team that would be out supported at their home stadium in an elimination final. But yeah, that's but, I mean it's there. not that hard. The team they're playing the team in the row. 
just relax yes. on that part. Relax know, that was that, that was just funny for me to watch. Um, <laughs> love the intensity in this game. Loved it. Um, was the intensity always well directed? No. Um, <laughs> overall, did Ashley kind do a passable job? Yes. I do still stand by. I think he made his job harder or maybe not even him mate. i think the bunker made his job harder than it should have been because the first symbian of radley really i think set the precedence for the rest of the game in cool. that if that's what you're going to be symbianing i'm not surprised it ended up with seven look and that wasn't on him I, that was a call from the bunker. i genuinely i genuinely defend referees pretty hard i wasn't the biggest fan of what happened but in saying that too, I'll say two things in his defense. Oh, sorry, one thing is in in his defense, and the second thing I think could have solved the whole problem, which Adams has been against in the past. I'll give you that. The first thing in his defense is the one time he gave someone the benefit of the doubt, and the George Burgess hit on Tedesco. He Tom Burgess, yeah. Him. Tom Burgess, same. The same yeah. fucking people. Relax. For 20 seconds later or two tackles later, it was. He came across and did another high tackle. The ultimate result of that was that due to, funnily enough, Tom Burgess getting actually failing the HIA from foul play earlier meant that South Sydney were able to activate their 18th man. Mm -hmm. The thing about it is that he was not simbin for the Tedesco one, Mm -hmm. given benefit of the doubt. Roosters were not allowed to activate their 80th yes. man because of that. So the one time he gives benefit of the doubt, the Roosters get screwed. Mm-hmm. Two tackles later, the same bloke gets penalised for the same high tackle. No, 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 no. He gets okay. He gets penalised for a high tackle. Mm. So he does a high tackle, gets penalised, and he goes, "You know what, mate? I'm just going to let you off for this one." There's mitigating. Sorry, hold up. There's mitigating circumstances where I don't have to send you off. Mm. Two tackles later, the same bloke who did, who the referee went out and defended and didn't simp in him, fucking high tackled him again. Someone else again, and that for me is the reason that these dickheads who are doing all these stupid things on the field should have been simp in because they weren't learning their lesson. My second no. point is. Second point is that what he did did not solve any problem at all. What he should have done is gone, I have told you. Because every time someone gets Simbin, the captain should be there. And he speaks to the captain as well, the player. Simbin, the fucking captain. Just do it. That's going to solve a lot more problems than anything. You don't understand how big of an impact that that would have. I guarantee you, Victor Radley and Jamie Hargraves caused James Tedesco, if he was playing, to get Simbin for one of their foul play actions because mm. James Tedesco is not controlling his team. That's going to solve a lot more problems than repeatedly, which on the weekend... A, I've poked a hole in that already. I'm, 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 <laughs> on the weekend... Repeatedly sin binning Victor Radley, Jarabria Hargraves, Tane Milner, whoever got repeatedly sin, didn't do the job. How no. else are you going to teach him? Easy. You know what I would have done? I would have named Kevin Nagama my captain before the game. 
if I knew that was the rule. What a stupid thing to say. What if you're going to send in the captain, I'm the coach going, well, I don't want my captain being sent in. I'm going to make Kevin the guy captain. Or how about we actually instill a bit of discipline in the players? Well, what a, what I a, think... What a, what a, you're an idiot. What a dumb no. shit thing to say. Oh, it, mate. If the, if the you were poking holes in the back in the day, weren't you? For fuck's sake. If the club knows that the captain's going to get sent in. Stupid. As if they're going to make their best player captain. What? It's just a C next to their name on the team sheet. Is that what you're saying about Daly Cherry Evans? Is that mm. what you're saying about James Tedesco? That it's not an on, honourable thing to have the men captaincy? let me finish. The New South Wales captain, the Queensland captain, the Australian captaincy. It's not honourable to have that. It's just a C next to the name. Is that what you're saying right now? No, because you've done well, before I finish. <laughs> okay. If, if we know that that's the rule... Tedesco is the captain for the players. He's the captain for the team. They all know that. He doesn't need a C next to it on the team sheet in order to be their captain. It just, if they know that there's a chance of him being sinbinned, the coach isn't going to be dumb enough to give him the C when you've got Victor Radley and Hargraves on your team. Um, they'll be like, call the captain over. Nagama will come over. Sweet, I'll talk to you. You're the captain. He'll go back, tell Tedesco. Tedesco tells the rest of the team. That's what will happen. That is, that is legitimately... Exactly the what would happen. furthest thing away and the dumbest thing you've ever said. Okay. I'll, they are uh, not going to pull. They're not going to pull the captaincy of the New South Wales. And I, they're not taking the... You're, if you're saying the whole captaincy revolves around having the C next to them on the team sheet, I think you're missing no, the you point are. of captaincy. No, it's just a letter on the team sheet. If no, in, you, you are literally that's what situation. you're saying. You're just saying you can give it to anyone, but the leaders in the field are leaders in the field. If you're trying to that's punish the team by simbending the captain who had nothing to do with it. But that's that's the point. That's what you're not getting. If you, if you have what, three simbins where the captains, you're telling the captain to calm the team down. Yeah, it and won't happen. Two, a, what? It won't happen. You know what? It won't make any you know difference. The, you know what the really cool thing is? I know it's not, I know it's only local. I've actually seen it work. That's your yeah. problem. It used to happen. It's been happening for the last 150 years of the NRL, and I've actually seen it work. Players like Victor Ali and Hargraves don't change regardless. They just won't. That's why they're not. There's only one, there's only one leadership. They don't listen to referees. They listen to their leadership on the field. And Tedesco... Could Ken pull him into line? Pretty sure if something happened to him. He would have said he couldn't. Mine oh, no, was already off the field by then, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, he hasn't been able to do it all year. He's there's no, is, that is, you, I can't believe you were just like, oh, Kevin Naguala would have put him as captain. What is See, that's why I'm the coach, say? mate. No, um, that, is, that is so bad. You're oh, not going to pull the captaincy off the Australian the captain. The other thing so that you tried, simple. the other thing you tried by supporting the referee um he fucked up already by saying i gave you benefit of the doubt on that one he just admitted to making a mistake in other words so now i'm going to send Benny for this one because you've done two now no you can't you can't take that into consideration with this is completely different wow so he snapped the guy around the jaw got a warning that that player had to go off and then the second one well you you (laughs) That's no, what I don't understand. He said there was mitigating circumstances in the first tackle, hence why there's a warning. There was mitigating circumstances in the second tackle because it bounced up off the ball. And he said, I get that. But because of the other one giving you benefit of doubt, I can't do it on this one. 
He literally said that. You can hear it over the mic. That's okay. What what, what do you want? What do you, what do you want him to do? If you were going to sin bin him for smacking someone in the jaw, that has to go for a HIA. It probably should have happened then, and you would never have even got to the second one. Yeah, but you Problem don't you didn't like the but you don't like the fact that he sin bin so many people, do you? I agreed with the. Um, yeah, but no, 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 no that's not my one. point. You, you don't like that he sin bin so many people. Oh, if it's worth a sin bin, by no, all no, means. No, you, no, tell me right now, did you like that many sin bins on the weekend? No. You didn't like that many sin bins, but on the other hand, you're saying that the first one that Burgess did was justified, but he shouldn't have let him off for it. The second one wasn't justified, but because he did it twice in 20 seconds, he should have been, no. been sin bin. No, I'm saying the second one, because it bounced up off the ball and hit him in the chin, that happens like eight times a game. It's not a Simbin offence. The only reason he got Simbin then was because it was two in a minute and he put them both together and said, all right, I can Simbin you now, when he should have just done on the first one. Dude, where, where, where does anyone going to learn about complaining? I don't know. Referees. When they start getting it right. High um, one, the players took a dive. Second yeah. part is... All took of a dive. Them. All oh, of them. Victor Riley was not a Sinbin. The Tane Milne one where he left his feet and who, I can't remember who he hit. Was that the Sawali one? Oh, I can't remember. Definitely. He was off his feet. He had no control over what he was doing. It was a swinging arm to the throat. Yeah, Sinbin. Actually, Tom Burgess awesome. taking... Oh, yeah. Tom Burgess smacking um, Tedesco. Should have just Sinbin there and you would we wouldn't have even got to the second one. Those two? Sweet. The Victor Radley wrestle thing on the ground? No. Um, Did he close his fist and hit him with it? Not from the shots that we see. Maybe if they no. release one from the other side. No. But... <laughs> from the shots I saw, he closed his fist and hit him with it. Jeez, if that's a hit, bloody hell. So I think oh, that... Oh, okay. Now now, now you want now you want one of those things at the, um, at the, at the festivals where you punch it and it, and it determines what the, you know, the, how heavy you punch. Is that what you want now on the field? It's a punch is a punch. It's like you've never played footy before. What do you if, if he penalised that and said, right, any of that niggle, rah, 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 any more of that, we'll do that. Settle it then. If you're assuming that from the start, you're setting the bar but so if, low that it just led to all this sort of stuff. That, and that wasn't, not I'm not putting that on Klein. That wasn't even him. He was happy to let that go. And it wasn't for almost, what, 30 seconds after the play. Yeah. They'd almost kicked the touch. Oh, they'd almost played the ball already that they called him all the way back. Stop creating grey areas. You always do it. The bunker did. Klein was ready to play on. It doesn't matter if Klein was He closed his fist and he hit somebody. That means that's a punch. Stop going to go, oh, you know what? It wasn't that hard, so maybe we should let him off. You know what? That's fine. You can do that. But then two weeks later, someone does the same thing and they're going to go, you know what? On that on that one, I got the actual thing out and it said only hit him like 300, you know, Whatever, 80 kilograms. It was just as hard as Radley, so I should be suspended. Otherwise, old mate's lost his teeth oh, in the ground. Hell. You're such a brown nose. I don't that's why you're a half. God damn it. No, oh. dude, you're creating great you you're creating it turned what was for a, later to be a good game into a really low quality affair where we have no idea even if the best team won. Um, yeah, but on the other hand, you've got you trying to create arguments for later. You're trying to create grey areas. You've always done it. You can't just go off one individual instance. If something... We're going to wrap this one up. All the hate mail will go to Jared's. It always does. <laughs> Take it that way. Oh, dude. <laughs>
if you like this sort of game, um, send Ash Klein. No, not Ash Klein. He, he was all right. Send the bunker some love mail. If you want to see the players on the field, for mining indiscretions, um, <laughs> the fact that only two of them got suspended, um, <laughs> tell Peter Flanders to keep his fingers out of the game and stay on the business side of things. Hey, Jared. I don't think Adam listened. I do. I do. <laughs> no, you don't. I just watch you better don't. products on TV. No, um, you don't. I you just do. won't get NRL sued for six yes. years of concussion. That's down, the, the that's down the line. That's down the line. Yeah, um, our kids won't get to watch rugby league because Adam's okay with us getting sued. Happy days. No, NRLW will be around. It's a better product. Um, <laughs> so going into... Oh, the Roosters get a C for me as well. Um because for that squad, they should have done a hell of a lot better than where they finished. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and, yeah, they played their grand final last week by the by the look of how they started this one anyway. Um, outside of the – oh, they're not they – yeah, that's right. They started slow. They came back, two tries, looking pretty good, and then um, it was the outside back show from the Rabbitohs Cody Walker injecting himself where and, and where he should have, and Latrell Mitchell, apart from being on the ground for half the game, um, actually did some good when he had the ball in hand. But South's best was Campbell Graham, in my opinion, and in for the Roosters, it was probably the same player who's been their best for the last few weeks. And I'm going to give it to Nat Butcher. Scarily good player. He's gonna be so. He'll be playing New South Wales in two years, I reckon. It's gonna be awesome when he's coming off the bench next year again. Someone's gonna to have to pick him up. Well, Tupinuwa still needs to come back. But I saying that too. Crichton was coming off the bench for him earlier in the year. Oh yeah, that was a kick up the ass though for Crichton. I think because once he um, that only lasted three or four weeks, and then he started oh. every round since then. Yeah, I don't know. He he's was good just, play. They're he, both. I, I'm not mad at. Any of them players doing it though? Who would who would you let go of out of those three if you had to? <laughs> Probably Tupanua. Well, this only because he 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 runs a hard line, mm-hmm. but so do Crichton and Butcher. I don't see Tupanua have any ball skills. Crichton and Butcher does. I think they're both more all round players than Tupanua is. They're the only player, and that's a hard choice too. Yeah, I think it is too. I'm just trying to find. I don't even know how to spell his name. So Tilly, there he is. Oh, okay. I was gonna say I'll just take whoever's younger. But him and Butcher are the um born the same year. Mm. Oh, so I just I might take I, them I over Crichton just because they're cheaper. Nah, just, like they are the future. But Crichton's just, like he's the ultra. Oh, for me, if not the best, bloody close to the best second row in the comp. Yeah, no, he's very well all-rounded. Um, yeah. He can be found out defensively if you get him flat-footed, but oh, he's, only, he's, only one, he's only one year older than him anyway. So 26, yeah. 27, 27, they're all pretty much in their prime. Um, but yeah, I agree. I'd probably let go of Tupinor out of the three as well. But if that's the choice that your club's having to make, you're in a pretty good spot, um, especially with their cap crunch coming up what, next season. On their salary cap, that was one of their chances to ensure that they get another premiership from I guess it's still this group. I think they still can. Now this would be a new group, isn't it? You wouldn't count this as the same group that Kronk was part of. No. Nah. No. Nah. 
There's only a couple left over from that. Tedesco, Hargraves, Dupo. I think the biggest issue is they've got to just get their team back because any team with Drew Hutchison in the centres is not going to go that flash. No. Um, yeah, Billy Smith, Joseph Manu. Paul Momorowski, uh, Oliver Gildart. They let yeah, Ukabali go, didn't they? Yeah, he's a shot. Yeah, they, they, they've got some got some quality. Oh. Together, if if Manu, Manu plays that game, they win for me. Oliver Gildart was a good signing. <laughs> yeah. If, yeah, if Manu plays that game, they win for me. That's all right, guys. That's wrapping up for tonight. So we, C's, uh, C's for Melbourne, C's for Roosters. Before um, me and Adam kill each other through, the, through Skype. Um, Penrith and Cowboys get a week off. Parramatta versus Canberra and Roosters versus Sharks. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm looking forward to. Um, what else? On? We'll have a guest on our previous show for week two of the finals. Um, you'll definitely want to hear what he has to say. And other than that, we'll see you guys Thursday morning or Friday morning. I'm going to say something. Friday morning. We'll no, we'll see. All right. See you, dudes. See ya. Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio.